Welcome to the MacArthur Memorial Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Williams. Join me as we explore the life and legacy of General of the Army Douglas MacArthur and discuss a wide range of military history topics from the American Civil War to the Korean War. Welcome, everybody. My name is Amanda Williams, and I'm joined, as always, by Jim Zobel, and we are both historians here at the MacArthur Memorial, and we both talk almost every single day about MacArthur history. We talk a lot about the controversies, right? We talk a lot about recent scholarship and interpretation of MacArthur's life and career, but we also talk a lot about the lesser-known parts of his story. And we have one of those today for you. Now, in July 1961, an 81-year-old General MacArthur made a 10-day farewell trip to the Philippines to mark the 15th anniversary of Philippine independence. It was a particularly moving visit for him and for many of the people there that saw him. And in Manila alone, millions of people turned out to greet him. And only papal visits have exceeded the welcome that MacArthur received in the Philippines. So today we're going to talk about that visit. So Jim, prior to that 1961 visit, when was the last time that Douglas MacArthur was in the Philippines? Well, it was 15 years to the day. Uh, That was the Independence Day ceremony that they had in July 4th of 1946. And MacArthur flew from uh, Tokyo, where he was as the Supreme Commander of the Allied Powers. He flew to Manila to represent the United States in the Independence Day ceremony. And that was the last time in 15 years. The thing about you know the MacArthur's in the Philippines is his dad's career was really cemented there. It was made there. He had had served three different tours there. His he met his wife uh, there. His son is born there. His mom dies there. They live in the Manila Hotel there for years. So it's it's home, you know. It's 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 home to the MacArthur's. And so this is a very special thing to both of them, you know, going back this 15 years later. Now, after 1952, it seems that MacArthur doesn't do a lot of traveling. He, he doesn't accept a lot of the invitations that are sent to him. What prompts the 1961 visit? Well, you're right. Yeah. You know, he toured the states for those two years from 51 through 52 and gave so many speeches at, at all the different cities. But after that, Republican National Convention in July of 1952, MacArthur pretty much uh, sequestered himself up in the uh, Waldorf Astoria, up in the tower there. Uh, The only place he went for uh, an award was in 55 when they dedicated the MacArthur Park there in Los Angeles. And he went and gave three of his birthday speeches, you know, the the abolition of war speech, the, the most famous one. But MacArthur is not in very good health. Uh, you know, he had retired or had been uh, fired by Truman when he was 71 years old. And he comes home and, and he has a lot of problems. The thing about MacArthur, he never goes to the doctor or anything. And it's not until finally the late 50s, early 1960, that MacArthur will finally go to the doctor and have some of these problems corrected. So by 61, when he's 81, he's feeling kind of good. They go in April, they go down to Palm Beach, Florida. He goes with 
Gene and, and Arthur goes to um, Michigan University in, in June, right before the, the trip to the Philippines, where he'll accept uh, they, you know, they give him an, an, a doctoral degree there. Uh, so he's starting to move around a lot more. And then uh, in early May, when they, the Philippines start getting ready for this 15th anniversary, that's when Garcia, who's the president, and, uh, and Carlos Romula, who had been MacArthur's, um, one of his aides and one of his uh, you know, guys during World War II, that, that they start pushing this thing for MacArthur to come back to the Philippines for this anniversary. Now, he's going to attend as a private citizen. But he has a lot of support from the U.S. government. I understand that President John F. Kennedy is pretty delighted that they're honoring MacArthur with this invitation. How does the president help yeah. facilitate this trip? Well, he had just uh, the MacArthur and, and Kennedy had just had that first meeting up in the Waldorf Astoria in New York City back in April. That was, you know, when Kennedy was going around getting all the advice about the Bay of Pigs, what to do about Cuba you know, about uh, Indochina and stuff. And so he and MacArthur had really hit it off at that point. And so then when they approach, uh, they, you know, they let uh, Kennedy's office know that the Philippines are officially inviting MacArthur to, uh, you know, attend this. And even MacArthur says, you know, I'm not an official representative, you know, I'm going as a private citizen, but Kennedy gives him the VC-137, you know, this 707 jetliner for him to use. Uh, they assign a doctor, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Sheedy, from the Surgeon General's office. He'll go with MacArthur and the party there, you know, because MacArthur's now 81 years old. And then as well, you know, MacArthur doesn't have a passport or anything. Gene doesn't have a passport. They, you know, never needed one uh, when they were doing all that traveling with the military. And so they immediately have to get passports in the State Department. Uh, let's MacArthur know that they can help facilitate this at, you know, as, as, as soon as he needs them done, that they, they can do this. So everybody's pushing the effort towards helping him. But uh, like, like he said, you know, he's, he's not an official representative. It was interesting because we were looking through it and uh, Richard J. Marshall, who was MacArthur's uh, deputy chief of staff in World War II, he writes to MacArthur and says, you know, if you're looking for an aide to go with you, uh, you should pick John Olson. And Olson was uh, 57 scouts captured on uh, Bataan, Death March. And, and, you know, anybody who knows anything about the Philippines knows this guy. And I wonder if, you know, if, if Olson even knew that he'd been recommended. But because MacArthur wasn't, you know, an official rep, he, he wasn't going to have an aide. Uh, Courtney Whitney goes with him, but uh, he goes as, you know, like his, his secretary or his friend. Right. And you mentioned his passport, and we were actually looking at his passport, what, the other day, and I made a little copy of it. I love the fact that on his passport, they have a photograph from, what, World War II? And he's wearing a hat. Most people can't 19, wear a hat in a passport. About 1942. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was just fantastic. Yeah. And then the fact when we were looking through it, there's no stamps, there's no entry right. or exit mark. So, I mean, clearly they, the State Department fast-tracked a passport for him. And then it looks like they didn't use it because. Well, I mean, he steps he steps off the plane in Manila, and there's there's eighteen thousand people at the airport itself going absolutely insane. Yeah. It, it wasn't like you know, come on, general, let's go. You know, tag let's go through customs. And, yeah. yeah. It was basically like get in the car because there's a there's a million and a half people waiting in the streets for you. So yeah, they never stamp it or or anything, you know, going in or exiting, and it's the only time it, you know he goes anywhere. Uh, that that whole time. Okay, so walk us through his itinerary in the Philippines. Where does he go? 
What does he see? Well, MacArthur, you know, said that he was looking forward to this with so much anticipation, but he realizes that, you know, most of his great friends from the Philippines are are already in the cemetery, you know, and he, he even says that. Um, and so MacArthur is, as soon as it's, the word goes out that he's going to be going, he starts getting letters from, you know, people that had served under him, uh, this Bahá'u'lláh Association of all these uh, guerrillas and, and uh, supporters of the guerrillas, you know, Chick Parsons and all these uh, people he had worked with during World War II, as well as all the, the VFW groups, um, uh, one of the great guerrillas of the Philippines from Luzon, uh, this uh, guy marking is head of this connect, uh, group. And so everybody wants a piece of him. And the thing is, is that the Philippine government has, has delineated what he'll do. And even when they find out he's coming, you've got uh, Yoshida in Japan saying, we want you to come. I'm here, you know, and you've got Chiang Kai-shek saying you have to stop here when you come. And so all these nations out there, once they know MacArthur's coming, they're all wanting him on the docket, you know, come stay at our house, you know, and all this. But the Philippines have it structured out. He'll get there on July 3rd. They have the movement through the streets. Like I said, there's a million and a half people there just going absolutely crazy. They have the, a dinner that night at Malacanang Palace. Uh, the next day, they have the Independence Day ceremonies. MacArthur will go and raise the flag at the Rizal Monument. He'll go visit Quezon's tomb, the first president. He'll go visit Manuel Rojas's tomb. He'll go visit Carino's tomb, you know, all these uh, early presidents of the Philippines. He'll go to the Manila American Cemetery, uh, which is down in the old Fort McKinley uh, area. And so he's paying tribute to all these fallen heroes of the of the Philippines. And there are just hundreds of thousands of people everywhere he goes. Like you said, um, probably only, you know, the most recent of the papal visits was, was anything bigger than MacArthur going to the Philippines. On the 5th, he has a, a, a big banquet with all the veterans of of the wars from, and they'll have that at the Manila Hotel. The next day, they dedicate the highway from Lingayen, the invasion beaches down to Manila. They dedicate the MacArthur Highway. And he takes a train that morning up to Dagupan and Lingayen, and then he'll take a motorcade back. He goes to Magsaysay Stadium. There's 200,000 people there he'll speak to. Uh, he'll go through Tarlac, he'll speak there. But one of the coolest things of the trip happens on that drive because they're going through Tarlac and MacArthur sees this road and he's like, go down that road. And the people are like, but that's not on the itinerary, you know? And he's like, no, go down that road. And they go down it. And that's where MacArthur's headquarters uh, for the drive to Manila was, was this, uh, it's just a, a house that had a bunch of outbuildings. It's owned by the Cahuancos now. And MacArthur shows up at the door and doesn't knock, just walks in. And the lady's like, oh, the general, he's back, you know, just like, we've been waiting for you. We didn't know if you would come. And General MacArthur walks all around. And he's just totally, you know, in the moment. And that's the way he is the whole time. Everything is just flushed with all this emotion. He said, you know, all my greatest memories were in the Philippines, all my triumphs, you know, all my disasters were here. And so everywhere he goes, it's just this mass of emotion. And then they get back to Manila the next day. He's on uh, 
Philippine uh, ship, the Lapu Lapu. They go down to Leyte, uh, where the landing was in 44. Uh, 250,000 people, 500,000 people there. Then they go to Cebu, where he meets former president Osmania. And Osmania is, is like, uh, he's only a few months away from death. And he says to MacArthur, what took you so long to come back? And MacArthur makes a quip. Well, the powers in Washington wouldn't let me come back till now. We finally have a, a young president who's let me, you know, very off guard moment. You know, what's he talking about? Because MacArthur had said before when like Australia invited him that he said that the government won't let me go there. So, you know, what what did that all mean, you know, from those early years? But then he goes to Panay on the 10th and then they they finally make the run back to Manila. And on the way back to Manila, they stop at Corregidor. And 5,000 people had made the trip across Manila Bay to see MacArthur there. And this is where it all falls apart. You know, they had been able to hold it together that whole time, all these grave sites, meeting all these people. But as soon as they step on Corregidor, uh, you know, MacArthur's just somber, silent, and Jean had been uh, pretty strong the whole time. She just starts bawling, and she will not stop the whole time they're there on Corregidor, because they knew all those people that went into prison camp. They knew all those people that died on the hell ships, and this, you know, this is the place, and they were supposed to eat lunch there, but they can't do it. Uh, Jean's just still crying, and they get on the ship, and they go back to Manila, and MacArthur will receive receive another, you know, honorary degree from the Philippines. The next day, he's at the airport, you know, and and President Garcia had broken protocol the whole time. He's there at the airport to meet MacArthur. He goes with him to all these sites. He's there at the airport, and at the airport when he's saying goodbye, you know, and MacArthur had said the whole time, I, I can I can never say I shall return again. That's the meaning of this trip, you know, to say goodbye. And and Garcia is like, well, you, you know, you can't return, but you'll never leave us. And that's when he loses it. You know, he just starts crying and everybody at the airport is just is just, you know, losing it. Um, and that that's the thing that this was um, so emotional and everybody around the world freaked out on it because just like the communists do, all they do is label America as racist, colonialist, imperialist. And here goes MacArthur back here, you know, and Three million people turn out, you know, just with this outpouring of love and emotion and, you know, thanks and just obliterating that communist rhetoric that's coming out. And that's what everybody back home says, you know, is we need an ambassador like this, you know, and that's the thing with MacArthur, you know, all these countries that he had these relationships they didn't look at it as, you know, oh, we've got this relationship with the United States. They like, we've got this relationship with him. And as long as he's there, they're not going to let us down, you know. And so that was the, you know, when you when you want to think about the importance of this trip, that's the importance. All of, you know, Latin America was just this imperialist, expansionist, racist America. And MacArthur going back there just blows the whole argument right out of the water. I know a lot of people always ask us, what do we think a MacArthur presidency would have looked like? And I think to me, I don't know that I've ever been very interested in that. I've always been more interested in what would a MacArthur Department of State look like? 
you know, had he been a secretary of state, he's multilingual, he's anti-colonial, he didn't have an issue or, you know, he, he didn't see race the way most people did at the time. I just wonder yeah. in terms of a Cold War argument for America, would he have been that better foot forward? Would he have been able to talk yeah. to people in South America, Africa, Asia, and say, this is who I am, you know who I am. I think that would have been fascinating. The presidency, I'm not so sure. Secretary of State might have been an excellent job for and him. There's, there was even people in, in Congress that were saying that, you know, we should set up this special ambassadorship for MacArthur, you know, to to be the goodwill ambassador, you know, of the United States. But he was only a couple of years away from, from death himself at that point, because he did falter, you know, a few times on the trip just because it is exacting schedule. I mean, from 7.30 in the morning till, you know, 10 o'clock at night, he's, he's nonstop on the go. And, and uh, you know, it's raining the whole time that he's there. It's just, you know, it's just crazy. Well, do you want to comment any more about his health on the trip beyond that? I mean, do we know anything well, in specific? You know, he, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't collapse or anything like that. All his speeches are, you know, are right on cue. But he says, you know, each time I, I, I need to get there, I'll go to this place and I'll speak. You know, I can't be doing a lot of moving around, you know, I, I, and I think that's just, you know, he was he was having a hard time. You know, he's 81 years old, even back during World War Two, he was complaining he had chicken legs and it was hard for him to, you know, walk. So uh, you you can understand that, you know, that he just it's 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 a lot for an old guy. Right. And we have great photographs of the trip in the archives here. And he's in a lot of the pictures you see him with his arm around someone, I think, for stability or you see Gene right there with him or you see, you know, it's raining and he's his half of his uniform is like soaked. So it was clearly very arduous and um and incredible strength of will, I think, to get through the entire thing and then just add all the emotional. Yeah, they cut stuff. out they cut out a lot of places they wanted him to go, you know, like they wanted him to go up to Baguio. They wanted him to go to uh, various other places. But he was just, you know, that's that's going to be too much, you know, for for one day. I've got to I've got to do these things differently. So so he had a lot to say about, you know, how they would schedule it out and now, when he comes back to the United States, he gets, I guess, a couple days of rest, and then he goes down to Washington, D.C. to meet with President Kennedy. Um, what do they talk about, and how do we, I think you've already touched on this, but how do we understand this trip through the lens of the Cold War? Yeah, I think, I think we did. You know, it, it, was, it was very much a boost for American prestige uh, and a slap in the face to the communist rhetoric, you know, that was always spitting out, uh, you know, about things. And in that sense, it, you know, it very much was a Cold War thing. I mean, uh, you've still got the, the, the problems in Taiwan are still very much, you know, uh, big at that point. Uh, you just had a, a coup in, in South Korea. Rhea had been thrown out, but then the military again, um, you know, prompted them, at, uh, prompted the new group out. You've got uh, problems in Laos with the, you know, the, the uh, communist movement there. So, and then of course you've got Latin America exploding with uh, Fidel and Che, uh, you know, ch- trying to cause as many fires as they can. Um, and so this, this whole thing really was like a, I think the allies took a lot from it, you know, that, that the Philippines had 
had poured out like this, you know, and they were they were hoping it would be like when Kennedy went to Japan the year before and there was riots, or not Kennedy, but Eisenhower, and there was riots and and things like that within the country, but it didn't it didn't work out that that way here. So I mean it was a very emotional thing for them. And I think it, it was to finally say goodbye to all those ghosts and to they wanted to see it one more time. And the talk with Kennedy, do we know much about that though? We don't really know what they what they had to say. Um, we we've got all those transcripts of the talks they had uh, later on in '62 and whatnot. But you know, obviously they talk about the Philippines when they interviewed Pierre Salinger, who was Kennedy's um, public relations guy. He said, you know, I'm not going to comment on it. They, of course, they the, there were some newspaper articles later on that said they talked about Indochina, Laos. Um, you know, all these things that that were on the table. Uh, and later on, we know that that MacArthur would tell Kennedy, you know, don't get involved in a land war in Asia. And, you know, you've got no business being over there. And and uh, and Kennedy would use that. But, you know, the exact wording of of this talk, we, we don't really know. We have the pictures, you know, Vice President Johnson was there and and and, and everybody else as well. So I, I, I imagine they talked about quite a few things, but I, I just, you know, the exact words we don't know like we do about the later talks. Any final thoughts about the trip? No, it was a cool thing to look into. You know, it was just a, it was an eye opener how all these gorillas came out of the woodwork, you know, and I didn't know that Chang and, and Japan had invited him there. So it's just, it's another great topic. All right. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening. If you have questions, suggestions, or comments, we want to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter at MacArthur1880, on Facebook as the General Douglas MacArthur Memorial, or you can email MacArthur Memorial at norfolk.gov.